Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode five of the Gone Bridge podcast. I'm here with Alex Claus and Steve Brady. How are we doing today, guys? Doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. Feeling great. Let's get into it. So beginning of the week, another slow news week in the MLB. We pushed recording back to today, and that was a very good move because the last two days, the stove is starting to warm up. We got a few more rumors, a few more uh, actual moves that have been made in MLB. So I want to start off here talking about Corey Kluver, two-time former Cy Young Award winner. Red Sox are going in on him. Uh, I think that's a great move. I want to hear what you guys have to have to say about that. I think last week I uh, had mentioned Kluber as the guy that I wanted the Red Sox to push hardest for, and I'm pretty happy to hear these rumors. I hear that he's got a house in the area, and they're uh, seriously considering him. Any um, pitcher that can throw the ball over the plate is a welcome addition to the starting rotation. So, I mean, I'm all for it. I've been all for it. I'm, like, excited to see what happens with it. Yeah, I think he's he's got to be, like, the number one target for the Red Sox right now. I mean, you know, he was in Texas for two years, and he was injured kind of that whole time. But, like, when you look at when he was in Cleveland, it wasn't that long ago, and he was a Cy Young candidate. Um, I think it's a classic. Yeah, exactly. It's a classic boomer bust play. He's probably not going to command a ton of money. Um, you can get him in for a couple of years just while he's still decent. Um, and yeah, you just need somebody to get the ball over the plate. Um, the only other thing I know is that it seems like he's trying to stay in like this area. So I heard that it was Boston and then the Mets and the Yankees. Um, so, you know, two pretty big players that are going to throw pretty good money at him. Um, I'd say the Mets are probably going to throw the most money if it's anybody. Um, but I mean, I think it, the Red Sox have an awesome case to bring him on. Yeah, completely agree. He's a re- still a good pitcher. Um, I mean, he's only made eight starts the last two seasons, only made one start last season. Uh, he got injured in the first inning of, uh, of the game, so not much of a sample size there. But he's a guy you can really buy low on, and he's going to have a lot of upside too. And I think that's kind of the moves that the Red Sox are going to have to make this offseason. Um, Kluber's a flashier name than most of the guys I know they've talked about. But again, he fits the bill perfectly. And again, welcome addition. As, uh, as Steve said, anybody who can get the ball over the plate, eat up some innings. Um, you know, in five, um, five of his seasons that he's pitched at least 25 games, he's had an ERA under 3.5 for all of those seasons. So, you know, he, he's proven that he can do it. I know Cleveland has some, like, wizardry going on there with their pitchers that they develop. But, um, yeah, seriously. you know, he's, he's, got, he's got the talent. Um, and, you know, I, I, think, I think it would be a really good fit. Yeah, Klaus, you made a great point about the Mets. I was not aware that they were going to push for him too, but uh, they look like they're willing to throw any amount of money at anybody in order to get back into contention. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if he ended up there either. Yeah, I think it's it. Uh, the Yankees are obviously going to make a case because they're a really good team and, you know, they're in the biggest market. They're the most popular team in the MLB. But I think when it comes to money, like if money is going to be the driver, then it seems like the Mets are just going to be like, dishing out money to anybody who wants to come. Yeah, I think I'd, I saw somewhere that the Mets were looking to get um, at least two of the four top four free agents and possibly trade for someone else too. So obviously they got a new owner, Steve Cohen. They're willing to go all in, which I think is great because, again, one thing that Mets fans and Red Sox fans share is we both hate the Yankees. So um, if they could be the Kings in New York, I, I would be all for that. Um, never really hated the Mets, honestly. They – uh they always just they struggle to they struggle to push over the edge, but I think with this new ownership group, they can definitely uh, put a better product out in the field. 
Yeah, and then I guess we can get into um, all of the uh, new free agents that just got uh, like released from their team. Yeah, so there were um, or, uh, last night was the tenure. Yeah, non-tenure. Yeah. Or the yeah the non-tenure deadline for teams. Um, a couple big names that were not tenured and are now free agents. Uh, our old friend Travis Shaw again. Uh, Blue Jays not tenuring him. Eddie Rosario was another uh, decent name from the Twins. Nomar Mazzara, and the biggest name was Kyle Schwarber of the Chicago Cubs, who. If I can remember, the Red Sox talked about trading for him maybe two or three years ago. I, I mean, he's not a target that they're going to go after now. But um, are there any other guys that really stuck out to you um, who you're surprised about? Um, I mean, personally, not really. Kyle Schwarber is like the big name, obviously. Um, as far as he and the Red Sox go, uh, we do need more outfielders. But I can see him absolutely struggling in either corner of our outfield. So I'm not sure how good of a move that would be. But if it came down to it, I wouldn't hate the move. Yeah, there's a couple outfielders in there that, you know, we could bring in to fill either, you know, just bench spots or platoon somebody. Um, the other guy who wasn't, he wasn't non-tendered, but he got DFA'd was Jose Arena um, of the Marlins. So pretty good pitcher. He's 29. Um, you know, he's not great, but he could be another one of those guys that comes in and just fills innings, um, throws some pretty good pitches. But I didn't really see anybody on the non-tender list that I feel like the Red Sox should be like number one target, um, especially Schwarber. Like there's kind of just no use. Um, he's more of a bat than anything. And they kind of don't need more bats in their lineup. They need defense and pitching. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with Schwarber and the rest of them. But um, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if the Red Sox brought it some of them on, but none of the big names. Yeah, I agree. Not a lot of huge names, although there is kind of one dark horse guy who really struggled last year. He's an outfielder. Um, he's just one year removed from being an all-star, however, and that's David Dahl. He used to play for the Rockies. Um, 2019, he had 15 home runs, 61 RBIs, and hit 302. Obviously made the all-star team. And, again, if he's looking to bounce back, sign cheap with the team, prove himself, I think he'd be the per a perfect fit as a fourth outfielder for us. Um, you know, he can play in Coors Field. That's not the not the easiest ballpark to play the outfield in. So, um, you know, he play the corners if we need him. I I think that would be one guy. Um, if I was Han Bloom, I'd be I'd be definitely looking at. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. For we sure. Yeah, even a good point, Clawson. We don't need more bats. We need defense. We need pitching. Definitely. Um, I mean, that fourth, I completely agree with you guys, but we gotta, we got to find someone de dependable who can fit that um, fourth outfielder role because, again, as we talked about last week, I don't think uh, many of the farm guys are going to come up and be that productive. Um, but pitching-wise, very thin market. A couple bullpen guys, Archie Bradley, Jonathan Holder, uh, Ryan Tapera. Again, no names that really stick out, but, um, you know, maybe Heim can find a diamond in the rough. That's what he's famous for. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, really, anybody that they bring on to pitch, I'm going to be excited about. Um, it's just better than what we have. And, you know, maybe like Hein Bloom seems to have some, you know, idea of what he's doing and, you know, brings guys in that, you know, exceed expectations. So if Hein brings somebody in to pitch, then um, I'm hoping that they're going to turn out better than it seems. Definitely. So um, the other day, uh, Mark Feinsand was reporting that uh, the Red Sox were one of about, uh, eight to 10 teams that are pushing the hardest right now in the market for starting pitchers. Some of those other teams include uh, the Mets, Blue Jays, White Sox, Padres, Giants, and the Rays. So 
couple other AL East teams there. But it's good to see that um, at least within the internal baseball world, there's uh, recognition that the Red Sox are going after pitchers. That's a good sign because last offseason it was not like that. Yeah. Um, one more rumor I want to talk about regarding free agency is um, there's just everybody's trying to pull Trevor Bauer to um, their team, obviously, because he's like the best pitcher on the market. And um, I forget who exactly it was on the Nationals, but uh, I saw a graphic of him just like with Corbin and Strasburg and Scherzer. And that is not where I want him to go now that I saw that potential rotation. I think that would be like one of the best rotations in the past, like probably talent wise since like what year was it? The 20, like 12 Tigers or something like that, yeah. where they had Verlander, Price, Scherzer, uh, on that team. and Anibal Jordan Sanchez Zimmerman too. was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Also so hopefully that, that, he doesn't go there. Yeah. Was that, was that Juan Soto who said that? I, I, I think it must've been. Honestly. I think it was. Um, yeah. I feel like signing that reminds me of that. I think it was a 2011 Phillies team or 2010 where they had like, who do they have? Uh, Halliday, Cliff Lee, Roy Oswalt, and Cole, Cole Hamels. Hamels. Yeah, yeah, absolutely filthy. and Disgusting. Um, again, you get a, a nice mix of lefty-righty and that Nationals team. Again, their, their hitting's kind of below average, but they, they proved that they could win a World Series. So adding him on top of Corbin, nasty. Yeah, I think they, they would need to add somebody in the field or add somebody in the lineup because, like, you can only get so far with pitching. Um and one Soto can't carry the whole team. Like they would be one of those teams that I think would push hard if they got Bauer and they were going to try and make a world series run. Like they would try and push for like Arenado if he's on the trade market or uh, Chris Bryant, especially um, just to get somebody in there. That's an above average hitter uh, to try and push them forward and try and get him to compete at least. Definitely. Uh, this is kind of random. This was uh, a couple or one trade that the nationals made a couple years ago, which, I never really understood um, trading Lucas Giolito out of town. Kind of felt like they forced him out, traded him for Adam Eaton, um, sent him to, to the White Sox. So I know the Nationals are, are willing to trade top prospects for bats. Um, however, for some reason, that move has always stuck on my chest, and I could never understand that um, when it happened because Adam Eaton, I think, is a free agent anyway. Um, but yeah, there are a good amount of teams going out for pitchers and the rumor mill is still kind of, kind of dry right now. So hopefully within, uh, I think winter, winter meetings are coming up. What next week? I think they start the yeah. sixth. Sweet. So Jeez. hopefully get, get some trades, get some signings and, um, you know, get a move on for next year. Are <laughs> yeah. there any guys that didn't get a non-tender that you guys were surprised about? Um, like I know Gary Sanchez was pretty high on that list. Um, he ended up getting a contract again, Chris Bryant too. Like, was there anybody that you thought might have gotten non-tendered and then didn't in the end? Uh, not really. I honestly haven't put that much thought into it. As far as Gary Sanchez goes, I, uh, think he's part of like one of the biggest names on the Yankees right now. So the Yankees, as far as like a marketing standpoint, wouldn't be that smart to get rid of him just for nothing like that. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to trying to look at the list here. There's not not many guys. It's kind of it's kind of black and white. I feel like when it comes to this, there's always one or two surprises every year. But yeah, Gary Sanchez would probably have been the one guy that um, would have been really surprising if he didn't get tenured. But um, again, the Yankees. I I don't think there's there's a better option for the catcher position for them right now. 
Um, what about you, Carson? Anything? Uh, I wasn't really – like, I guess I would have been surprised if Bryant and uh, Sanchez got in, um, gotten untended and were pushed into free agency. Um, that's kind of a pretty – you know, they're pretty – you know, they're good, they're above average players. And I, I guess mm-hmm. I think of non-tender as somebody who's just trying to, you know, get out of the contract, like just kind of get them out. Um, and I think their value is so much higher um, if they were going to trade them than just straight up not tendering them. So I guess I would have been really surprised if those two got out. But um, I think out of the two, Sanchez probably would have been the first to get non tendered. Definitely. Um, look at the Red Sox here. So they, uh, they, they signed six guys this week. Um, nobody was non tendered. Uh, so. Eduardo Rodriguez was the big one avoiding arbitration with a, a one year, $8.3 million contract, which pretty, uh, pretty good deal. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I thought that was very fair. Yeah, it's a great deal, especially um, I think he couldn't command that much money uh, because of his injury history and his like heart. Um, he says he's good to go, but that remains to be seen. So I'm pretty content with the contract that he got. Yeah, I think it's pretty cheap. I mean, if he didn't have that whole, you know, COVID injury with his heart thing, like, you know, if you put him on the on the free agent market, he's, you know, getting probably double that at least. You know, I guess I set the bar at like Charlie Morton, who got $15 million. Um, you know, Charlie Morton and Erod, I mean, I don't know how you guys scale them up, but I would say that Erod is probably worth $15 million. So I think eight is pretty good. Um, you know, obviously we don't know how he's going to be, but from what he's shown in the past, if he can come back and, you know, pitch at the same level, I think $8 million is a bargain. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. If, if Charlie Morton at, what is he? 30, 37 years old is getting 15 million and Erod's like 29, 30 easily, easily making double. Um, the Red Sox also signed three bullpen guys. Matt Barnes is coming back um, for 4.4 million. Austin Bryce is coming back for somewhere around 850 K um, Ryan Brazier was just around a million and Ploiecki was, I believe around 2 million, um, all decent pieces. You know, Brazier has shown signs of being a really, really good reliever for the team. Um, Bryce came in clutch a lot last year. He could start, he could relieve, but again, not really much of a future there. And then Ploiecki, Ploiecki was the nice surprise last year. I know there've been rumors about trading Vasquez, which, we don't have to get into that because I think those are ridiculous, but Pilecki is a really good backup. And then um, also signing uh, Devers to a, uh, a tenor contract. So he will have the option to negotiate for next year, which is good because we need to lock him up. Yeah. As far as Charlie Morton goes, I think Red Sox or not Red Sox. Um, baseball is one of the sports where if you are a proven playoff performer, then you are going to get a contract just for that. Like, uh, I think we signed Pablo. Well, we signed Pablo purely because of his playoff stats. Oh, we'll get into Pablo. (laughs) That didn't really work out. But even like uh, anybody that is a proven playoff guy, you're going to, if you think you're going to make the playoffs like the Braves are, um, you're willing to throw money at them just for that. So I can see why, even though Morton's a little older, uh, he got that money. Uh, I guess, I mean, maybe Charlie Morton's a different, different example because he's shown it over a longer period of time but like and Pablo Sandoval is kind of the outlier like he was really good in those you know playoffs and world series and then just you know stunk it up but I always feel like those guys that get signed just for the playoffs never end up panning out um, like this isn't um, MLB but like in the NBA do you guys remember when like Bismack Biombo got like 70 million dollars because he played well once in the playoffs like I feel like every playoff performer is like just like that 
where they're going to get so much extra money to just underperform and then maybe show up in the playoffs. Um, Evaldi. Exactly. Exactly. Like prime example. I think that was $70 million to a guy who showed up once in the playoffs. Like we gave money to everybody that year because we won the world series. Like the Red Sox didn't care. Everybody got a contract. Dombrowski was like, my job is done here. Take, take all of it and screwed us over for the next couple of years. I I feel like those things, like if you want to sign him to a one-year deal, like it's not going to kill him, but like Nathan Avaldi, perfect example. He showed up once in the playoffs. He was a stud in 2018. And now he is just like a cog in the system. They're paying him way too much money. We're paying Nathan Avaldi and Chris Sale combined like just about fifty million dollars to to be injured at the start of the season. I mean, Avaldi is slated to be healthy to start the year, but as we know, that's never uh, never always the case. Um, so, is there any any other things? agency rumors red sox related you guys want to wrap up on before we uh so i got i got one more thing that's like free agency wise so earlier in the week um the phillies came out and said we didn't make enough money so we're not bringing back jt romuto Um, i thought that was the stupidest thing i've ever heard um because it wasn't like they even lost money like if they had lost money during the season i'd be like all right like you're really strapped for cash it's tough but they just didn't make you know however many hundreds of millions of dollars You know what I mean? Like they obviously lost revenue. Everybody lost revenue, but I just thought it was such a slap in the face to be like, yeah, sorry, we didn't make enough money this year. So we're going to cut down on costs. Like if I was a guy like Bryce Harper, I'd be so mad just because like he signed this whole big contract. They said they would go out and sign all these players, like dish out whatever money they need to. And two years into his deal, they're already saying, you know, see you later, Ramuto. Like he's the best catcher in baseball. I don't know how you can do that to him. Yeah, the Phillies are a team that on paper look good. Uh, you got Bryce Harper, you had JT Real Muto, you had Aaron Nola, and you got Jake Arrieta, even though he hasn't been that great in a while. Uh, but I think they're a team that they're just never going to go anywhere for reasons like that, how they're run. It just doesn't make any sense. I agree with you. So, like, the Phillies get what they deserve. Uh, Philadelphia is a trash shitty city. Uh, so, yeah, I don't really I'm, – I'm happy he's not going back there. Yeah, um... If I'm Bryce Harper, again, I feel like, yes, from the perspective that uh, the ownership is telling you that they'll go out and get players, you can be angry. But you also have to realize that they just dumped like 330-ish million dollars into you over the next like decade and a half. And like you have to realize that that is where most of the money is going to go and that you selfishly took – um, I mean, not selfishly, because that, that's what he could have gotten. But, um, you know, you waited for a team to sign you for that much rather than re-signing for, with the Nationals for a little bit less. Um, and they can still go out and get guys like Patrick Corbin and maybe Trevor Bauer. Um, but, yeah, the Phillies, I was writing um, a piece on, like, the MLB preseason last year, and I was like, the Phillies are going to have a good team. I started to take a deeper dive into their roster, and they're – their pitching is so atrocious, one of the worst bullpens in the league. And after those first three guys in the rotation, Wheeler, um, Nola, and now Arietta's gone, but it, it falls off a cliff. So, yeah, they gotta they gotta do something to to bolster that depth. Yeah, I forgot Arietta was a free agent. As the president of the United States once said, "Nothing good ever comes out of Philadelphia," and this is exactly what he meant. Yeah, Chase Utley. Ended that guy's career. Philly's no good. No good. No good. 
I got uh, I got one other quick thing. Our old friend Jose Iglesias traded to the Angels. Uh, that really flew under the radar. I just found out about that. Um, he always seems to find a starting job. In fact, I think he was leading off for the Orioles last year. So good for him. You know, so he, gotta... he still plays shortstop, right? Yes. Yeah. So what does this mean for Angleton Simmons now? Oh. Oh. Steve. Oh. It's all right. Someone will sign him for like a, a record contract extension. He's so good defensively. I think he could play anywhere. Doesn't have to be shortstop. We already did this once. I'm not diving back into it. Gold I, I had to point it out. If he, get, if he gets benched, Steve, it's on you. I jinx them. No sport gets jinxes like baseball. So absolutely not. And up. My bad. Sorry. Well, um, so we're gonna we're gonna move into the last segment here. Um also Anderson Simmons is a free agent, so that ah, all, right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I take why. it back. I thought he was still in the Angels. No, I did too, honestly. Um so we're gonna move into the last segment here. Uh we wanted to think of something fun to do here and we are going to have a little segment about our least favorite Red Sox players of all time. Uh, not really like the, the stereotypical ones. Like I think we all dislike Pablo a lot. Um, yeah, with, it goes without saying Pablo Sandoval is probably the most hated Red Sox player maybe of all time. Yeah. Um, so like Sandoval, Carl Crawford, guys like that. Uh, we, we tried to come up with a few names here who – each like we personally had our own little gripe about um just have a little fun little fun with it so uh yeah steve if you want to hit us off here go for it i'll uh, start off with the name we've talked about before and he's kind of a special case because it's almost like i love to hate him and that's clay buckles clay buckles is the highest highs and the lowest lows i've said it before uh and so i'll kind of try and keep it quick but once you see somebody perform at such an elite level what was his first start? Was it a no hitter or something like that? Or like a perfect game? Like he has, yeah, he has the no ability hitter. to like be so good. And then he just, I don't know, had the yips or like, he just didn't care or like what happened to him. But like every time I would see him go out there and pitch poorly, I'd be like, Oh my God, like who, who is this guy? Like what happened to you? Why do you hurt me like this? Like, I can't believe my eyes. So Clay Buckles is I love to hate him, and honestly, if we brought him back just for fun, I think it would be hilarious. But it's that's un- a completely unrealistic thing. But like Clay Buckles is one of those guys that I'll always welcome him back in Boston just so I can like hate on him. Awesome. Uh, all right, so I got I dug deep into this one. It was hard, you know. There's not a lot of Red like there's a lot of Red Sox guys that I'm just indifferent on. Like, you know, if they're bad, they're bad. If they're great, I love them. So it took me some time. And I thought about it. And in 2011, we signed a reliever named Bobby Jenks. Oh, my gosh. I had him on my list, too. <laughs> he was the worst pitcher I have ever seen. Like, classic. So, he was on the team in 2011. He was there for one year. And all I remember from him is he was the classic, like, fat, tall pitcher that threw, like, 100 miles an hour, but, like, couldn't hit anything if it, like, couldn't hit the strike zone if his life depended on it. So, I pulled up his stats. They were as bad as I expected. So he only threw 15 innings that year. I think he had like back problems, but he had a 6.32 ERA in 15 innings. He allowed 11 home runs and walked 13 guys. So his, his whip. And for people who don't like know whip that well, an average whip in the MLB is 1.3. So like, that's pretty decent. A bad whip is a 1.5. This dude's whip 
was a 2.2. That is terrible. Like Refresh my memory is whip um, a combination of like uh, batter, like slugging percentage and average or something like that. Yeah, it's basically like it's, how much, like how often, like guys hit the ball. You know what I mean? It's yeah. no, it's basically like how many, um, how many like players get on base per inning. So if your whip is like two, then each inning, if you're a pitcher, you like on average allow two runners to get on base. Okay. So, so every, that is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So horrible. every time, uh, I think it was Bobby Valentine that year. Every time Bobby Valentine made the call to the pen to bring Bobby Jenks out, he was getting shelled. Like this guy couldn't do anything. And I think the worst part, I was looking at payrolls. He was getting paid six million dollars, which isn't that much. When you put it into context, John Lester and Dustin Pedroia were making more than him that year. I think that is terrible. Like I can't stand this guy. Thank God he's off the team. They were making more than him, or they weren't. They weren't. Oh, okay, they weren't. He yeah. was making more than both of them. But, yeah, I had an MVP at that at that time. Yeah, too. exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. No, I. Um, there are a lot of relievers who kind of fit that bill for the Red Sox. Like they came in high expectations because, if I'm not wrong, Jinx was a closer with the White Sox beforehand. Like a, he was a two-time All Star. Yeah, a pretty good closer. Um, so, right after Jenks, there were two guys who came in um, who were supposed to be the closers, and then Koji saved the day. Uh, one of those guys, I don't really hate. Uh, he was annoying every time he pitched, but that was Andrew Bailey. Uh, super annoying. The guy, however, who we traded for, and then um, he only pitched nine games for us in 2013, and then never saw the light of day after making back-to-back All-Star teams – Joel Hanrahan. Um, Thankfully, I forget who we gave up in that trade. It might have been Melanson, honestly. Um, But we got Brock Holt, too. That was the – they, like, threw Brock Holt in. All right. So, that's clutch. However, Joel Hanrahan, um, a 2.18 whip in those nine games. Um, He had four saves, however, but gave up eight eight runs and seven in a third innings with a 9.82 ERA. Horrible numbers, and again, that, that 2013 Red Sox team got off to such a hot start, and the bullpen was such a dumpster fire at the beginning. I don't, I don't think they win the World Series without Koji there because he went on just some insane runs. Dominant. Yeah, I, I actually remember the hand-or-hand signing because he was, he was on the Pirates that, before he got he was, to Boston, he was, he was so really good. good. He, had a, like, he was one of the better closers in the game. Yeah, and I was like, all right, like sweet, sign me up, and then he just never showed up. Yeah, the two years before, he had 36 and 40 saves, made an all-star team in 11 and 12, and had a 2.7 and a 1.83 ERA in 11 and 12. So, again, when you sign a guy like that, you expect him to be good, and then it's not even that he wasn't good. He never even came back, not even to play for another team. just disappeared. Yeah, and then uh, I got a couple more. We could keep going around. We could do this all day, honestly. Um <laughs> Craig Kimbrell, after like his second year or his last year in his contract, when he would come in, I knew for a fact he was going to get A, shelled, or B, walk in any amount of runs that we would allow him to pitch for. Like, I did not think he would ever find the strike zone again. Then he went to the Cubs, obviously still stinks now. But like, it's crazy how an all-time great reliever like that, one of the best relievers or closers of all time, can just have fall off a cliff like he was the reliever of the year one year, and then all of a sudden he has like he acts like he's never thrown a ball before, and that was extremely frustrating for me to watch. So 
uh, Craig Kimbrell, I don't hate you, but you, you made me hate you sometimes. You know, it kind of, I was thinking about Craig Kimbrell. Cause like, I remember like he, I, I guess he was, he kind of falls in the indifferent category for me, but what you just said brought back so many bad memories of right. him. Cause I just remember in the playoffs, like they would bring him in and he like, he couldn't find the strike zone. Like he would throw, it was, it was like Bobby Jenks all over again. He'd throw a hundred miles an hour, but he couldn't, you know, couldn't throw a strike if his life depended on it. He'd throw like 14 fastballs in a row and then he'd power curve like eight of those into the dirt. His arms hanging like this. He looks like a complete jerk. Like, dude, if you're going to do that, at least like be able to throw strikes. I don't care if you get hit. Like, I don't know. I don't care if they hit the ball off you, but like at least throw some strikes. Give us a chance. The power curve into the dirt was his like specialty. That was awesome. I love that pitch. Yeah. He was so, um, he was so confusing for me because you look at his numbers uh, with the Red Sox and he was, he was nails uh, three, four and 16, a 1.43 and 17 and a 2.74 and 18 made the all-star team all three years that he was in Boston. But again, when I think of Craig Kimbrough, I don't think about him coming in, striking out three guys in a row. I think of him just like, making my blood pressure raise every time to the point where he would get so close to blowing it. And then somehow he would, he would find a way to dig himself out. I don't know if you guys remember game four in the ALDS 2018. I think the, the Sox were up like four, one going into the ninth and he walked like four straight batters. And I was just like dying. Cause I knew that if the Yankees forced a game five, we were going to lose. And Nunez was the one who ended up saving the day. on like some unbelievable bare hand throw. But that was that was the point where I was like, all right, I'm so done with him. I can't my heart can't take this. He's taking years off my he's, life. He was one of those guys you had to watch him to like know the pain because the stats didn't do it justice. Like you like you just had to watch him. And if you did, I feel bad for you. And I hope you feel bad for me too. I think I think like all this is like coming back to me. I think I pushed down so much of this pain. Like <laughs> it's just been in my subconscious for like three years. And now it's all coming back. Like I hate this guy. Like, why didn't I say this before? <laughs> I got this Red Sox poster off to the side of me here from the 2018 World Series, and it's got, like, David Price and Chris Sale and then, like, Craig Kimbrell next to them. Like, he just doesn't belong there. Like We didn't even let him close out the World Series. I like, know. Thank we God. We put Chris Sale in because we didn't trust him. And I was like – when I saw Chris Sale running from the bullpen, I was like, oh, my God, thank that was you. over. It was just Anybody like – Craig I was, Kimbrell. I, like – I knew we were going to win. I was more excited to just, like, see what was going to happen, and he sure did deliver. Yeah. Um, Clawson, you got anyone else? Um, so this one, like, I got a couple guys, like some of them were just like terrible people. Um, but one of them, I have like a personal, not like personal, but so I don't know how many years ago, but I went to this Red Sox game and it, it was against the Orioles and it was like 18 innings long. It was such a long, I think I stayed the whole time, such a long game. And they were like running out of pitchers so fast. They brought in Darnell McDonald to pitch. And I remember I was like, who the hell is this guy like he's an outfielder like why are they bringing him to pitch he got like i didn't even know if he got an out but jj hardy got up to uh got up to bat he wasn't like a great player like probably average maybe he takes darnell mcdonald so deep over the monster i was like are you seeing they lost the game because of that i was so mad so ever since i've kind of had this like little hatred of darnell mcdonald yeah, that, that 2010 team, I look back at that team and, like, him and Bill Hall and the, who else? Was Mike Cameron on that team? Or was he I think on, so. Yeah, he, uh, that team was so, so interesting. Such, like, random guys who don't, don't fit the bill for Red Sox players this past decade. But, 
Yeah, Darnell was uh, – I remember that game. I remember, I think, waking up for, like, school the next morning, seeing that Darnell McDonald pitch, and I was like, wow, what can this guy not do? One of the poor performance. Just because I know that we're all going to have the same reaction. Uh, Klaus, you mentioned it before we even started recording, but Drew Pomeranz, uh, name uh, speaks for itself, I think. But he just, like, had this look on his face every single time I would, like, see him like on the field, he would have this look on his face, like he was constipated or like he didn't want to be there. He looked or like, like he what? hated his job. But like, uh, he just had this dumb look on his face. And I don't even care how well he pitched. I just was like, you, like, ah, I don't like you for some reason. And then it was like the whole pinch running thing. And like, he had a saga and a half of a Red Sox career. Jared Carabas probably is responsible for a lot of my hatred towards Drew Pomeranz. I think Blue is probably like the funniest nickname of all time. <laughs> But Drew Pomeranz, I hate you. Yeah, yeah. that, that kind of, uh, Go ahead, Gardner. No, I was going to say, I, I think I saw a stat. He, so he, I actually have a, a quick funny story that I can tell after you, Clawson. But um, he started 61 games for the Red Sox. And I think I saw a stat that he only went into the seventh inning of, like, two of those games. Whenever he pitched, the game went forever. Every count was 3-2. Yeah. It was such a drag. I could not stand when he started. He had 120 pitches in the fourth inning. Every game. Yeah. So the guy that kind of reminds me of um, is John Lackey. I like, I couldn't stand it. He always had this like pissed off look on his face. And I think he was on that team. Like, do you guys remember the like chicken um, fried chicken and beer team? Yeah. He was on that one. And I'm pretty sure he was the only guy that cared. And he like threw his arm out. Like he had to get like a ton of surgery on his arm after that. And I'm pretty sure like, (laughs) and people hated him. And he like, every time he'd go out to pitch, he was just like, screw you guys. Like I threw my arm out for you guys. And you guys are still booing me. Like, what can I do? Yeah. Um, and he was like really old. Like he, he, I don't think I ever saw him smile. Like he just looked like he was having a terrible time. Um, he showed up in the 2013 playoffs, which like kind of revived like whatever hatred I had for him. But I just remember every time he pitched, he just looked so like bored. Like he just didn't want to be there. Yeah. Um, I think, I think his performance in the 2013 playoffs saved it for me. I had never really minded him. I liked him. But um, going back to Pomeranz, I actually – I saw his first start as a Red Sox. And um, I remember he, like, he was – they were playing the Giants. I think it was 2016. And he was cruising through, like, three or four innings. I was like, all right, this guy's actually not that bad. And they got to the fourth or fifth inning. The Red Sox were up eight to nothing. And I remember – I think he allowed five runs before, like, recording it out. And they pulled him. And I was just like, oh, gosh, like – this this we gave up like some of our top farm pieces for this yeah i was just gonna I, mention that we could we gave up andrew and spinoza who at the time was regarded as the next pedro i, I air quotes for people uh listening yeah. because that's a label that literally every two years somebody gets the next pedro um we gave him up and then we had pomeranz for like a month i think at least a couple like a couple performances from him and he stunk and then all of a sudden, like, Espinosa failed his physical or, like, uh, there was, like, an injury problem with him. And we could have reversed the trade. Like, we could have got Espinosa back and just, like, sent Pomeranz back to San Diego, which he was an all-star the year before we got him. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the year we did get him. because I, I think, think it was the year we did get him. Yeah. yeah. And um, we could have got Espinosa back. And I was like, oh, my God, this is great. Like, we're saved. Like, that was a terrible trade. We all know that was a ter- terrible trade. Let's reverse it. Let's get our guy back. And let's get – uh Pomeranz on the next train out of here and we didn't do it and that was like the most heartbreaking thing of all time 
the thing I remember most about Pomeranz is he had the like weirdest release ever. And I think he threw like it had to be like 70% of his pitches were just hanging curveballs. Like I think that's why he was so bad. Cause he would just lob curveballs in like all the time. I think he, he threw like a fastball and a curveball and like every, like two out of three pitches was a curveball. Yeah. Um, looking at Espinosa, he's in pitch since 2016. I don't, um, I don't, th- I, yeah, because Steve, you were right. He had something majorly bad happen to his arm. Yeah, I think his arm fell off. Yeah, like honestly, yeah, he hasn't hasn't even pitched above single A, and I hate that the Red Sox and their writers, again, will put those labels on players so low in the farm system and be like, watch out, here they come, and they Next never pan out. Henry Owens, this guy gets the majors and it's just like throwing them underhand of the batters. Um, the only other guy I had on my list, I actually had two, but um, one of them I just couldn't stand when he pitched. That was Robbie Scott. Um, he was horrible. Uh, the other guy just, I just, he annoyed me. And I think uh, he was one of the snitches for the 28, like 2018, like camera scandal, which is another reason why I just can't stand him. Uh, Blake Swihart. Oh, I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Never, never liked Blake Swihart. He was another guy who um, Vasquez and Swihart was supposed to be the next duo, and he would come up, no batting gloves, look all gritty, all his tattoos, and oh my god, he would like dribble it to second every time. And I was like, this guy Swihart sucks. Was at one point the number one catching prospect in the MLB. I, I was gonna say he's supposed to be like the next Buster Posey. Yeah, yeah, not, um, not quite. No. Not quite. And he was supposed to have the bat, and Vasquez was supposed to have the defense. And uh, Vasquez does have the defense now. He's kind of got a bat, too. And Swihart never had a bat, and I think they – Absolutely never had a glove, either. Never had a glove. They moved him to left field. That was where he got hurt, right? Yeah, and then he was super mad about that, too. Like, he complained so much because he was like, "Yeah, oh, like, I was the cat- I was a catcher, and then they moved to left field, and now I got- I'm injured, and I can't perform, and it's like, oh, the Red Sox and all this yeah. other stuff. And I mean, like, dude. Yeah, I, I think they, they might have pulled him up a little bit too early, 2015. But, um, again, play- playing a different position shouldn't affect how you hit. So he's one guy who I just never really liked and hasn't really done much in his career at all. Yeah. Is he still in the MLB? He last I checked was on the D-backs, and I don't think he still is playing. I think he signed with I think the Rangers last year, but he never um, he never played. I think they released him. Did yeah. the Red Sox trade Never against Gary Sanchez also stunk. Throwing that out there. True. True. Yeah. So the the last season was 2019. He had 66 at bats, hit 136. Um, it had nine hits. Yeah. So pretty terrible. He's got a 243 career average. And I think that number is as high as it is because his rookie year where he played um, about a third of the games he's played in his career, he hit 274. And since then, um, he has been hot garbage. Um, hit 258. Uh, yeah, he, he's basically like a 200 hitter besides that one year. So pretty, Do you guys uh, remember Ryan Hannigan? Yeah, yeah. He wasn't. He's not a guy I hate. I'm indifferent towards him, like you mentioned earlier, Clausen. But uh, he, whenever he was at bat, I knew it was an out. 100. He was like he was like Stephen Drew. Like, oh my I gosh. think he was pretty good behind the plate. But when you put him up to yeah. bat, like there was a 90 percent chance he was getting out. 
I was like second and third, two outs. Oh, Ryan Hannigan's up, and it's like the third inning. So Just we, sit down already. Yeah, it's like, like it's oh, yeah, I guess it. this inning's a wash. Let me turn the channel. You guys remember um, Kelly Shopik too? I think yep. he's on the the 2012 team. He backed up Salty. He, uh, they, the Red Sox have had so many random catchers the last decade. Like, you remember Brian Holiday? They picked him up yep. for a couple games. Um, I mean, Sandy, Sandy to a lot of teams, I think is random, but we, we grew to love them. Um, Hurricane Sandy. Oh, yeah. Only active Hall of Famer. Only active Hall of Famer. Is he, is he still kicking around somewhere? I think so. He's definitely – he leads the league. I don't know how much you take into this, this stat into account, but he led the league in catcher ERA for a while. Yeah, Chris Hill was like in love with him. He loved him. Yeah. Actually, yeah, he played 25 yeah. games for the Indians last year. I was gonna, yeah, he's still in the Indians. Maybe he's why the pitching's so good. Possibly. He oh, calls a good game. Too. He calls a good game. He does. he does. Can't really hit or run or do anything besides catch the ball. But hey, it's kind of how catchers roll. The big bucks. Exactly. Um, so anyway, you guys, any other uh, thoughts here? Hopefully, I think this week is is gonna be the week the train starts to get rolling and finally have more to talk about, more to debate about. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I'm excited good. too. I'm looking I, forward to it. I got one final thought. So yeah. um, last week I, I got, you know, taken away by the Miguel Cabrera DUI. I kind of had to say that it was right <laughs> on my mind. So I was going to say something I was thankful for this week. It's a week after Thanksgiving, but I was going to throw it in. So I was going to say, I'm thankful for the Yankees because they haven't won. They haven't gotten to the world series in a long time. They haven't won a world series in like a decade. It's a great time to be a Yankee fan. So I was, uh, you know, doing some digging. I was in payrolls. And I got to the Red Sox payroll because I was curious. Apparently, they're paying this guy named Manny Ramirez $2 million until 2026. That's tough. I believe a year. I, believe like, I think he's getting paid $2.6 million this year. It's his deferred money, man. first contract that he signed with them in like 2000. It, he's still getting it deferred. <laughs> At least we're not the Mets with uh, that other random guy. Bobby Bonilla? Bonilla. Yeah, Bobby Bonilla Day is my favorite day of the year. <laughs> But I was looking, I was like, how is that, like, how does that still happen? Like, he yeah. signed in 2000, and he's still getting paid $2 million a year. Yeah, 2021 deferred salaries. Dustin Pedroia and Manny Ramirez. Ridiculous. All-stars. We, we just got away from a lot of dead money, too, I think, like, after this year. So Yeah, Alan Craig, Ruzne Castillo, and, uh, like, Pablo. Yeah. All, all guys who finally, yeah. uh... Yeah, Hanley, too. All guys finally coming off the books. A lot of, um... Whew going to be a lot of renewed rookie contracts this next year. And uh, uh, Chris Sale is still making $30 million a year. So nothing looks good about that. <laughs> um, anyways, thank you for tuning in to episode five. We'll be back next week with hopefully some more exciting news.